my name is Professor Rachel Bodell, and you're listening to The Bible in a Year, The Story Podcast, where we encounter a living God that is calling us to live a life from, with, and for Him. This podcast is designed to help you listen to the one connected story of the Bible and understand it perhaps just a little bit better by learning from biblical scholars that have helped me. We will read the Bible out loud and explore how the one connected story of the kingdom of God is unfolding and how we fit into that story today. This is day 42, and I'm reading from the NIV version of the Bible, Exodus 23, Leviticus 16, and Psalm 77. Exodus 23. Do not spread false reports. Do not help a guilty person by being a malicious witness. Do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. When you give testimony in a lawsuit, do not pervert justice by siding with the crowd, and do not show favoritism to a poor person in a lawsuit. If you come across your enemy's ox or donkey wandering off, be sure to return it. If you see the donkey of someone who hates you fallen down under its load, do not leave it there. Be sure you help them with it. Do not deny justice to your poor people in their lawsuits. Have nothing to do with a false charge and do not put an innocent or honest person to death, for I will not acquit the guilty. Do not accept a bribe, for a bribe blinds those who see and twist the words of the innocent." Do not oppress a foreigner. You yourselves know how it feels to be a foreigner because you were foreign in Egypt. For six years, you are to sow your fields and harvest the crops. But during the seventh year, let the land lie unplowed and unused. Then the poor among your people may get food from it and the wild animals may eat what is left. Do the same with your vineyards and your olive grove. Six days do your work, but on the seventh day do not work, so that your ox and your donkey may rest, and so that the slave born in your household and the foreigner living among you may be refreshed. Be careful to do everything I have said to you. Do not invoke the names of other gods. Do not let them be heard on your lips. Three times a year you are to celebrate a festival to me. Celebrate the festival of unleavened bread. For seven days eat bread made without yeast, as I commanded you. Do this at the appointed time in the month of Aviv, for in the month you came out of Egypt. No one is to appear before me empty-handed. Celebrate the festival of harvest with the first fruits of the crop you sow in your field. Celebrate the festival of ingathering at the end of the year, when you gather in your crops from the fields. Three times a year all the men are to appear before the Sovereign Lord. Do not offer the blood of a sacrifice to me along with anything containing yeast." The fat of my festival offering must not be kept until morning. Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. See, I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared. Pay attention to him and listen to what he says. Do not rebel against him. He will not forgive your rebellion, since my name is in him. If you listen carefully to what he says and do all that I say, I will be an enemy to your enemies and will oppose those who oppose you. My angel will go ahead of you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites, and Jebusites, and I will wipe them out. Do not bow down before their gods or worship them or follow their practices. You must demolish them and break their sacred stones to pieces." Worship the Lord your God, and his blessing will be on your food and water. I will take away sickness from among you, and none will miscarry or be barren in your land. I will give you a full lifespan. 
I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. I will make all your enemies turn their backs and run. I will send the hornet ahead of you to drive the Hivites, Canaanites, and Hittites out of your way. But I will not drive them out in a single year, because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out before you, until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. I will establish your borders from the Red Sea to the Mediterranean Sea, and from the desert to the Euphrates River. I will give into your hand the people who live in the land, and you will drive them out before you. Do not make a covenant with them or with their gods. Do not let them live in your land, or they will cause you to sin against me, because the worship of their gods will certainly be a snare to you. Leviticus 16, the Day of Atonement. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron who died when they approached the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, Tell your brother Aaron that he is not to come whenever he chooses into the most holy place behind the curtain in front of the atonement cover on the ark, or else he will die. For I will appear in the cloud over the atonement cover. This is how Aaron is to enter the most holy place. He must first bring a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He is to put on the sacred linen tunic with linen undergarments next to his body. He is to tie the linen sash around him and put on the linen turban. These are the sacred garments. So he must bathe himself with water before he puts them on. From the Israelite community, he is to take two male goats for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. Aaron is to offer the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself and his household. Then he is to take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting. He is to cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. Aaron shall bring the goat whose lot falls to the Lord and sacrifice it for a sin offering. But the goat chosen by lot as the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to be used for making atonement by sending it into the wilderness as a scapegoat. Aaron shall bring the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself and his household, and he is to slaughter the bull for his own sin offering. He is to take a censer full of burning coals from the altar before the Lord and two handfuls of fine ground fragrant incense and take them behind the curtain. He is to put the incense on the fire before the Lord, and the smoke of the incense will conceal the atonement cover above the tablets of the covenant law so that he will not die. He is to take some of the bull's blood and with his finger sprinkle it on the front of the atonement cover. Then he shall sprinkle some of it with his set finger seven times before the atonement cover. He shall then slaughter the goat for the sin offering for the people and take its blood behind the curtain and do with it as he did with the bull's blood. He shall sprinkle it on the atonement cover and in front of it. In this way, he will make atonement for the most holy place because of the uncleanness and rebellion of the Israelites, whatever their sins have been. He is to do the same for the tent of meeting, which is among them in the midst of their uncleanness. No one is to be in the tent of meeting from the time Aaron goes in to make atonement in the most holy place until he has come out, having made atonement for himself, his household, and the whole community of Israel." Then he shall come out of the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it. He shall take some of the bull's blood and some of the goat's blood and put it on all the horns of the altar. He shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times to cleanse it and to consecrate it from the uncleanness of the Israelites.
When Aaron has finished making atonement for the most holy place, the tent of meeting, and the altar, he shall bring forward the live goat. He is to lay both hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites, all their sins, and put them on the goat's head. He shall send the goat away into the wilderness in the care of someone appointed for the task. The goat will carry on itself all their sins to a remote place, and the man shall release it in the wilderness. Then Aaron is to go into the tent of meeting and take off the linen garments he put on before he entered the most holy place, and he is to leave them there. He shall bathe himself with water in the sanctuary area and put his regular garments. Then he shall come out and sacrifice the burnt offering for himself and the burnt offering for the people, to make atonement for himself and for the people. He shall also burn the fat of the sin offering on the altar." The man who releases the goat as a scapegoat must wash his clothes and bathe himself with water. Afterward, he may come into the camp. The bull and the goat for the sin offering, whose blood was brought into the most holy place to make atonement, must be taken outside the camp. Their hides, flesh, and intestines are to be burned up. The man who burns them must wash his clothes and bathe himself with water. Afterward, he may come into the camp. This is to be a lasting ordinance for you. On the tenth day of the seventh month, you must deny yourselves and not do any work, whether native-born or foreign residing among you, because on this day of atonement will be made for you to cleanse you. Then before the Lord, you will be clean from all your sins. It is a day of Sabbath rest, and you must deny yourselves. It is a lasting ordinance." The priest who is atoned and ordained to succeed his father as high priest is to make atonement. He is to put on the sacred linen garments and make atonement for the most holy place, for the tent of meeting and the altar, and for the priest and all the members of the community. This is to be a lasting ordinance for you. Atonement is to be made once a year for all the sins of the Israelites, and it was done as the Lord commanded Moses. Psalms 77 I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the year of long ago. I remember my song in the night. My heart meditated, and my spirit asked— Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The year when the Most High stretched out his right hand, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeem your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw you, God. The waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters. Though your footprints were not seen, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. 
All right, so in Exodus, we talk more about the laws concerning justice, and we've been talking about justice and fairness, and not just with each other or those that are socioeconomically equal to them, but to the poor as well. Father Mike Schmitz describes how these passages talk not only about not doing injustice to the poor, but also not doing injustice for the sake of the poor. So justice has this equality measure to it. And Father Mike Schmitz describes how scripture does emphasize generosity and care for the poor, but notes how justice is for everyone, regardless of socioeconomic status. I thought that was interesting. And I know we have been talking about rituals and particularly animal sacrifices, which seem weird to us, or maybe it's just me. But then I think about all of my own rituals and our consumer lifestyles full of rituals and often exploitations intended intentional or unintentional of animals and our food and byproducts of animals, for example, in leather and cosmetics, and in so many other products we use to get ready, to drive or ride around, to eat, to relax, to work, to play. We have rituals for cleaning and meals for giving, and we have got things for giving gifts for holidays, for taking out our own trash. Think about what someone... 1,500 years from now might think of our rituals, how would they judge the morality and practicality of what we do? I say this to remind myself that I cannot get overly distracted by the ritual itself and focus on the symbolic gift the sacrifice, the animal sacrifice represents as a down payment of something bigger that needs to happen. Because in that world, in the ancient Near Eastern context, animal sacrifice was more like a ritual they already understood. And in our world, that's just so different. But what's so interesting is that this animal sacrifice, this sacrifice symbolically represented a down payment, um, which we know, if you've read ahead, right, the bigger story is that it, it can only be fulfilled through Jesus. It's also cool to think about the fact that Jesus is the center of our story, the story, and that the atonement, the day of atonement, is the center um, of the Torah. It's so significant and so cool how those things connect. And the Bible Project has a podcast that summarizes the Day of Atonement in a very straightforward way. And I'll read part of the key takeaways um, from it, and I'll link the full episode in the show notes, which I think really summarize it well. On the Day of Atonement, the high priest would sprinkle the blood of a goat on the lid of the atonement seat to cover over Israel's ritual impurities not having to do with sin, so that's important, as well as their moral failings and sin. It's as if this lid, the very place where God's presence touches down on earth, is also the very place God himself has provided a substitute. The goat's blood sprinkled in the Holy of Holies makes atonement for Yahweh's sacred space, not for the people. It's for God's sacred space. And during the Day of Atonement, Israel's sins are placed upon a second goat, and the goat doesn't die. It's sent away, carrying Israel's sin or garbage, if you will, to a spiritual being only referred to as Azazel. And Azazel appears to be another name for the being referred to as maybe Satan or the evil one and the enemy throughout the story of the Bible. And I don't know who Azazel is, but I know, and sometimes it's talked about as the scapegoat, but I do know it's an adversary of God. 
Not sure if it's the same as the others, but like Father Mike Schmitz indicates, I can't answer the why with certainty. There are theories about this, but I'm not sure there is clarity on this why. And while Dr. Tim Mackey agrees, the what or who of the scapegoat or Azazel is highly debatable. But Dr. Tim Mackey indicates the goat was not sent to appease this being, but rather as an insult to it. I thought that was really interesting. I'm imagining back to the Genesis story and how it connects to this story. So in Genesis 1 and 2, God creates an ordered universe and a special place, the Garden of Eden, which has this echo effect to the tabernacle in this story where we're talking about making atonement. And where he can, the point of Garden of Eden was that God could dwell with um, Adam and Eve, with these with special chosen appointed people. And then here God gives the people of Israel the tabernacle and he wants to dwell with the people. Yet the priests of Levi are supposed to be the guards between this place where heaven and earth meet, where he dwells. But even they fail. And like in Genesis 4, where the evil one is crouching to consume us and we must guard against it, I see this sacrifice of atonement as an indicator to both human beings and adversarial spiritual beings that Yahweh God is sovereign. He is working and he will make a way to restore and redeem. He is a God of order, the creator of all, wisdom itself, and he's coming to restore and redeem be on notice. Wow, this story just keeps getting more interesting and exciting. Pray for me. I'm praying for you. My prayer is this, found in Philippians 1, 9 through 11, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. What is this fruit? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. See you tomorrow.